Yo, we're back, baby. We're not the podcast that the internet ne- deserves. We're the we're the podcast the internet needs. Someone knows where he is. Rachel. Rachel. Your your Batman has uh, smoked a lot more cigarettes than mine has. <laughs> My Batman has seen some things. <laughs> Welcome back uh, to your favorite superhero podcast. Wait, what? Uh, this isn't a super- not at the dinner table. Uh, Marvel in DC with Patrick and no. Uh, uh, yes. We're we're here politics and religion, uh, but we hit we hit all the different themes, right? We do music. Yeah, we music. do the news. We do news movies. Movies mostly movies this episode. Books uh, also books a lot of posters. Authors. We did posters? Cassette tapes. I hope we do flags at some point. I have a lot to say about flags. Oh, we should do a flag. I have flag a lot of strong one. opinions. Vexillology yeah. is Patrick's I, I, I favorite I could do a vexillological episode, let me tell you. All right, yo, drop a uh, follow on Twitter or, uh, you know, leave a review if you want Patrick to do an episode on vexillology. Oh, I'm going to do it anyway, so unless you really don't want me to do it, uh, I'm going to do one. Yeah. Yeah, we're here. We're talking about superheroes in this episode, specifically yes. superhero movies. Yes. Um, Are they politically... The ways they kind of reflect on us, the good, the bad, the yeah. ugly. Are super movies John just Wayne. lame <laughs> political uh, dribble that just try to placate the masses? Yes. Or are they scathing social critique of the modern era? You know also, yes. And the longings of humanity. I, I, I think both. We will discover. What? You just spoiled it. I, you guys <laughs> don't have to listen to this. It's only one or the other <laughs> until you listen to the episode. That's like that's like the draw. It's like, oh my gosh, they're going to say it's one or the other. And then they listen. And then and they're and ne- it's, it's never one or the other. It's that's always how more it complex. Works. It's, just, it's so predictable. <laughs> Let's just get it like out of the way at the beginning. Like superhero movies. Just like superhero movies. And at the end of this podcast, there's going to be a giant CGI battle and down no. New York City. <laughs> oh my God! Let's go! Oh, I need to pull out my uh, my uh, movie horn. It's I'll pull too out late. The movie horn. It's too late now. Okay. In a world. How many times have we done this? In a world. <laughs> Uh, welcome to the McManus Movie Corner. Oh, well, sorry. Do you want to introduce it? It's your... It's oh, your yeah, thing. it's you fine. You had it. You had it. You had it. No, no, McManus no, no, Movie no. Corner. We're here. It's in the corner. Okay, so in the theme of superhero comic book movies and scathing political critique, yeah. we are talking about a Two movie that came out in the uh, height of lockdown. It did not get a full theatrical release, and it suffered at the box office. It definitely did, yeah. Uh, but I think it was actually quite an interesting and enjoyable uh, genre piece in the comic book superhero world. And that movie is the 2020's The Suicide Squad, directed by James Gunn. Not to be confused with... uh, 2017's... The 2018's Suicide Suicide Squad. Squad. The the is very important. Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad. So are they... I I, I say this having watched both of these movies. Is this this a sequel? Is... I mean, they're like... It was... Like, some of the characters were the same. Yeah. And then, like, they... It wasn't really connected because the first one sucked. The first one was horrible. Okay, so Um, as someone who knows way too much about this... Oh, boy. The answer is... Yes, it technically was a sequel, but yes, it was also a reboot. And that both are true because uh, in no way are the movies, uh, the movies' plots connected. It's actually the same, same basic plot points as the other movies. Yeah. And it share, they share three characters. There's three characters that carry over, yep. and they all know each other. They acknowledge knowing each other. Okay. And that's as far weird. as it goes. That's, mm, so that's you weird. can watch. So Harley Quinn and Captain Boomerang and um, Viola Davis is Amanda Waller. All mm-hmm. um, you know, we're in both movies. Okay, but you can really skip the 2017 one. I also believe that one was not as bad as people say it is. Mm. But that's a hot take from me. We're not, ta- we're not <laughs> we talking, talking about, about that. One. We're, we're talking, talking about, about the suicide. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, this movie is one. It's interesting in that most Marvel and DC. Big budget movies are PG thirteen. That's like yep. the thing. This one's very much not PG thirteen. Yeah. So and it got... was you know it wasn't the first one, right? I think I think Deadpool kind of helped people Deadpool, realize yeah. like oh adults like these movies too. They'll pay to see you can have more explicit ones, more violence right? And yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so it's definitely not a uh, like 
a kids action figure popcorn movie. This is like no. a you know it was on it was directly put on HBO for a reason partially. Um, that's a whole other thing, but so yeah, this movie's interesting. And you know the whole premise, if you're not familiar with the Suicide Squad, it's it they were uh, another name for them is Task Force Task Force X, and they've been around for several decades in comic books. Mm-hmm. But the whole idea is. You know, you have people like Superman and Batman in the DC universe who round up criminals, right? Lawful super good, power. right? These archetypes of... Yeah. yeah. The, the, uh, the criminal, you know, all the crazy criminals, people like, as crazy as Polka Dot Man or, you know, Harley Quinn or the Joker, right? Mm-hmm. All these people are put in prison by the superheroes and Task Force X or the Suicide Squad is the idea that the government then comes into those prisons and offers those criminals reduced time on their sentences if they go carry off basically what are called suicide missions. So missions where there's a very low likelihood of any of the the task force surviving. Yeah. Uh, so it's basically like you have you're spending life in prison. You have nothing to lose. They plant bombs in the back of their head that they can detonate at any time if they go off mission Mm -hmm. and then they send them to these crazy missions that they would never send any like military troops or other superheroes to do because they're probably not going to come out alive yeah and that's the whole premise yeah so that's kind of the premise for this one it is a fictional uh latin american island nation yeah that they are sent to there's this like weird alien presence that's going on that they're sent to investigate and eradicate the threat in this uh, Latin American island prison. And you have... And yeah. also, I think Nazis were involved at some point in the movie. Nazis are always involved. That, yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it just kind of happens. Yes. We'll talk about that. But later. yeah, the yeah. cast is stacked and... Yeah, um, it's great. Margot Robbie, Idris Elba, um, yeah. John the, Cena. <laughs> John Cena. And, yeah. and the main yeah, the main squad is Peacemaker, John Cena, Idris Elba, Bloodsport, mm-hmm. Harley Quinn, Margot Robbie. Yeah. And then Sylvester Stallone voices King Shark. Oh, I forgot about that. a giant anthropomorphic shark. Big shark, yeah, that's funny. And um, Polka Dot Man. Yeah. David Delsmachin plays uh, Polka Dot Man, yeah. which is a super, like, super obscure Batman villain from, like, the 70s <laughs> that is in, like, a couple issues. And James Gunn was like, yeah, we're giving Polka Dot Man. Like, he's a main core member that's, of the team. I which love is that. Just, like, that's great. And it's, yeah, it's great. So it's all of the rejects, all of the, like, C and D list characters that are sure. not getting movies otherwise. Yeah. They throw them on a team. And it's it's a lot of fun. Like, that whole concept, I really like it because it takes... The people from the corners of the DC universe that you wouldn't normally, you know. And actually, yeah. I think I think partially the critical success of this movie inspired Marvel is doing something similar. They're coming out with a movie in a couple, a year or two called The Thunderbolts, which is oh, the same really? idea. Oh, it's like I the C-list superheroes forming a team and doing an impossible yeah. mission. So it's all it's, derivative. I don't know. Like, it's cool, like, the first time it happens, but then when everyone does the same concept, it's like, yeah. man, like... Part of what's cool is the creativity, you know, what yeah. make, making, it, making it unique. So that's... We yeah, did... This movie did then get its own spinoff show. So John it Cena did, got yeah. Peacemaker. Peacemaker, which was unexpectedly, uh, unexpectedly an incredible show. Insanely I, I, delightful. I, yeah. 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 It was and like show. John Cena, the, the way that they describe his character, both in the movie and the show, is he's like if Captain America were a total douchebag. Yeah. And raised by a white supremacist. <laughs> and raised by yeah. a, a KKK member. Yeah. And... His oh my gosh, his character is so funny. But like, yeah, somehow they do it in a way that's not yeah. like glorifying that thing, but it's sure. kind of more poking fun at. It. It's very interesting. Well, and and I we'll we'll probably mention this movie again in the, in the main segment. Um, yes. But when we talk about uh, superhero movies, often falling into the uh, propaganda aisle of of kind of just propping up uh, the the commonly held narrative of of America as the as the shi- shining city on a hill, right? Yeah. Um, in terms of like how amazing the military American is, and how great that is, right? Right, ex- exactly. Um, to have a movie like this, that um, a key plot point involves uh, the U.S. government kind of being the bad guy. Um, yes. I, I don't really want to like give the whole thing away. Yeah, I don't. Um, but it's it, like but... it's like a pretty big part of the movie that like, oh wait. Uh, hang on, what, what, what's actually happening here? Yeah, um, there's a mystery that... That's, yeah. um, you know, they could go further, certainly, but, like, that was refreshing, I think, a little mm-hmm. bit to see, right? A little bit more of of a movie that's a, a commentary on the way that we treat the rest of the world rather mm-hmm. than just uh, uh, showing how beautiful we are, right? Like, yeah. that, that was... Well, like, and I think it's very strategic choice by James Gunn in the yeah. movie that 
one, they made a fictional. So DC. So one of the differences between DC and Marvel, especially in movies, mm-hmm. is DC has usually made up locations that mirror real life places, and Marvel does a lot of their things in real life cities and locations. Yeah. Not all of them. Wakanda's not a real place, but like, that's just a general parallel uh, difference between the two. Yeah. Uh-huh. So they make a fictional Latin American island nation, but it's very interesting that you have the United States government doing this black ops mission. In, a, in an independent country. In an independent right? Latin American country yeah. that's currently being destabilized with a dictatorial ruler. Yep. So you have freedom fighters fighting. and It's like, this is a story that we've seen the United States and the CIA be involved with in real life. Yeah, the entire 20th century. Right? Yeah. Like that and, was, and yeah, and even yeah. still in recent years. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so I think that's an archetype that James Gunn uses that is fascinating because most superhero movies would not touch that with a 10-foot pole, no. right? No, not at all. Like you don't start critiquing the CIA and its involvement in <laughs> Latin American politics and like those, those are things sure. that you... Yeah. When the well, U- why why yeah. make the U.S. the bad guys when you can make uh, a, a genocidal purple alien the bad guy or yeah. uh, the Nazis a bad guy or, yeah. or um, evil, uh, uh, I don't know, a Chinese gang member who yeah. is actually your father. and like, I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Like... Again, like it's it's easy it's to, to make it's easy to not poke the bear a little bit, right? Yeah. And, and yes, like, and this is also one of the few mov- f- few superhero movies where there is a CGI big conclusion, like all superhero yeah, movies. Yeah. But the context of that happening, it's one of the few movies where uh, there's several villains, um, mm-hmm. but one of the main villains. And I'm trying to try to speak generally, so you can watch this movie and still enjoy it and not be spoiled. Um, but one of the main villains, you realize as the story goes on is actually more of a victim than a villain. Yeah. And I find that fascinating because, like, you know, I think Disney has taught us, at least, like, you know, I remember watching Little Mermaid and Lion King where it's like the bad guy gets run through the heart with a ship or thrown (laughs) off a cliff and, like... The bad guy always lose, loses and they die. And usually they end up making their, like, they, they kind of self-sabotage so that the mur- main character doesn't have to be a murderer usually. But, yep. like, the bad guy always dies and they're always the bad guy and there's mm-hmm. good and there's evil and there's black and white. This movie, since the whole premise is that all of the bad guys are the main characters. Yep. And then the bad guy they go after is not exactly what it appears. I really like the way that it actually, you think, you kind of, for me, it, it caused me to unpack that story that we've been fed so many times. It does, Disney definitely, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, oh, yeah, what if the, the thing we think is a threat is actually a victim of a greater power, which in this case sure. is the U.S. government. And yep. it's overextension and involvement, which also connects to Nazi Germany. So it's like, it's... Yep. The fact that they do all that with a movie that has a talking shark played by Sylvester Stallone in it is pretty it's impressive. So, so fantastic. And like, Polka Dot Man. Man. And uh, Rat, I, I didn't like, even mention Ratcatcher. Ratcatcher. Like, truly yeah. the heart and soul of the movie. So Ratcatcher, her name is Ratcatcher 2 because her dad, who's played by Taika Waititi, is the original Ratcatcher. Yep. And she is the second rat catcher. She literally controls rats. Like, just the dumbest superpowers. I, which is great. I mean, that's great. It, that's so much more interesting, right? It's so It's so, like, engaging to follow, like... Someone who vomits uh, crazy extra-dimensional polka dots rather oh than, like, gosh. Superman who's invulnerable and has only one weakness and is, the, is always going to do the perfect right thing. Like, it, it feels more relatable. It feels more human, right? That's yeah. why they do it. Um, yeah. And, and I think they did it well on this one. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. So, yeah, I would say if you have not given the Suicide Squad a chance... Huh. Maybe think about it. it is very much like a in your face, pretty violent, like R rated. Sure. So it's not your typical superhero thing. But if you feel interested or up for that, it has more than meets the eye. And I think the characters really win you over. And I, I really enjoy it. And it's, yeah, yeah I, I wish it got more attention because the time it came out, it was like Warner Brothers was trying to, you know, uh, put everything on streaming and it, it created, mm-hmm. so it just was like kind of missed, I think. Yeah. And it was missed a lot of its potential when I think the movie that actually is there, despite all the marketing and the streaming and the crappy first movie and all of that, it's, it's a pretty, pretty good. dang good movie. Yeah. Go back yeah. and watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. How, uh, how many, uh, how many, how many starfish would you rate it out of, out of five? Out of five starfish. <laughs> I have to give it. Someone knows where he is. Um, man, it's like a four. 
4.5? I'm not going to comment on the on the noise you just made into the mic. It was uh, my contemplating. A 4.5? Bro, that's, it's good, bro. That is really high. I know. Oh, my God. I wow. like it. All right. It's really good. I, I mean, good. like, no, that, it was good. I, just, I don't think you've ever, like, that quickly given a movie that bro, high. Bro, what other before. movie has Pete Davidson and you, German YouTuber Flula Borg <laughs> playing... <laughs> I love that. That's Batman what makes villain. That's what makes a good movie. It's oh man. Uh, it's it's good. Check it out. Check it out. Obviously, superhero movies are, you know, the biggest box office movies ever right, right now, other right than now. Avatar. Sure. Other <laughs> than a- Avatar, man, it's it's yeah. it's sticking in there. Um, but Avatar Two: Way of Water. I'm excited for Avatar Three: The Path of Dirt. I don't know. <laughs> and then the Fire Nation attack. And That's then the Fire Avatar Nation 3's. attack is Avatar. The fire. 3. Oh, sorry, the Fire Navi. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But that's not what we're talking. That's not what we're talking about. So superhero, obviously, superhero movies are like all over the zeitgeist. You know, yeah. I have always been a huge like Batman fan, and I I watch all of them. I don't love all of the superhero movies, but sure, I'm like I'm too deep into this, so I know way too much about it. Hopefully, yeah. the goal is if you're com- if you're coming into this episode as someone who has not really jumped on the superhero train, maybe you've seen a couple of the MCU ones, or mm-hmm. you've seen clips mm-hmm. or whatever, but it's not your thing. Hopefully, this episode will give you some deep political analysis that you can take to your water cooler conversation. And when someone thinks you're not cool for not watching comic book movies, you can just throw out a little, well, well, you know, I actually think the uh, political machinations of, you know, phase three, you know, it'll give you a little ammunition to be able to shut the comic bros up. You're going to have to work on that voice, though. What? Oh, the the listener is going to have to work on that voice. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Practice it, practice it. I can't do that, (laughs) <laughs> or if you're someone like me who's like in this world and you know you yeah. watched mm-hmm. you you're watching the Disney Plus shows and everything then hopefully it'll just maybe cause you to reflect a little bit more deeply on the stories that are in some of the movies and some yeah. of the media you enjoy. So hopefully that's that's the goal. So talking about political uh what's the political messaging of comic book movies, of superhero movies and even comic books in general mm-hmm. and to do that we have to go all the way back to 1939. Yes. Essentially, one of the first major superhero comic book stories, 38, was it? Yeah. Okay. Is Superman number one, which that comic has sold, the original edition of that comic has sold for millions of dollars. Yeah. Action comics. Um, yep. Action comics, yeah, Superman. Mm-hmm. And this was created by, um, you know, I think so, like 2013, the movie Man of Steel, which I'm actually a fan of, I think mm-hmm. is a highly underrated movie. That's a conversation for another day. <laughs> that movie really presents Superman as a Christ-like figure. There yes. are a lot of parallels to Christ. Yes. I actually find I actually really enjoy that, and I find that interesting, and I enjoyed that take on the movie. However, Superman was originally conceptualized by two Jewish American men, uh, and he was originally actually a Moses-like figure. So he's not a Christian Christ interesting. archetype. Yeah. He was actually originally, yeah. you know, um, this is like literally during the Holocaust. Yeah, yeah, well... It's yeah. I, I mean, it's important that like the movies and and the the characters that are created um, they don't exist without understanding the context that they come from, right? Yes. So like to know that Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster were mm-hmm. uh, Jewish artists, Jewish mm-hmm. authors mm-hmm. Uh, in the midst of World War II, um, and you have that image of a man yeah. wearing red tights. Lifting a car and saving a kid. Yes. Yeah. Like that is a Moses like image yeah. of a. And you also, you know, I mean, retro- retroactively, you can look at history where you have in Nazism the idea of the Ubermensch and all of that. Yeah. But this is sort of a subversion of that. Like this is an oppressed people group, uh, artists and creators within that group during one of a, during a really difficult historical time, yeah. creating this ideal archetype of the perfect man. Who's an alien who lives among us, but who yeah. actually uses his power for good and not for yeah. Evil. And what yeah, what do you do with that unlimited uh, uh, 
incorruptible power. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, like the the German regime says, do you take control? Do you use it to lead your people to victory? Mm-hmm. Do you uh, crush everyone underneath you who you see as inferior? Or, uh, no, what you do is is you preserve peace, right? Mm-hmm. Is you prevent conflict, is you... Is you try and help everybody, right? So, so it, like it, it, it quickly became not just a, a a symbol of like what it means to do good with power, mm-hmm. but but uh, an, a, a symbolism for the ideal of what what America should be, right? That mm-hmm. that was that was kind of the concept, right? The, this perfect American exceptionalism, yeah. But but in in its like all its glory, right? That yeah. Was, yeah, and in a, a relatively pure form, yeah. Um, and you know, Superman's motto has always been truth, justice, and the American way, which yeah. I think in retrospect, we can <laughs> critique that pretty heavily. Yeah. But I think for its time, you know, it was it was like kind of trying, in, in a world that was racked by war, it was sort of trying to like inject a level of optimism and a level of, you know. Sure. So it's interesting. So all that to say, the origin of superhero stories have political messaging from the beginning. It's yeah, not like it's always been. It's not like somebody yeah. made superheroes political or like, you know, oh, these guys on this podcast are just oh, like, man, 2015 is when superhero movies, be- it wasn't political until Wonder Woman or That's whatever. Right. Yeah. Captain Marvel. Yeah. yeah shut yeah. up. <laughs> Which we'll, get, we'll get to them. But yeah, yeah, it's not. Uh, or yeah, I think actually in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the last few movies have gotten a lot of pushback from the, you know, far-right incel white dudes on the internet about the diversity and the Marvel pursuing more diverse casting because they're saying, oh, Marvel's going quote-unquote woke or whatever, which is, like, total BS. But really, it's, like, actually... um yeah, but once again, people are accusing this thing of becoming political that's always been political. Yeah, well, it's like, well, you know, they didn't create the character of Black Panther in 2015, right? Like, Black yeah. Panther has been a character for decades. decades like, yeah. they didn't create, uh, uh, I don't know, Shang-Chi mm-hmm. uh, uh, two years ago, right? Like, mm-hmm. like these are these are not new characters. Like, they're not doing, like, in the name of diversity or whatever. Yeah. What they're doing is they're just going through their cast of characters that they've built up through their comic book world mm-hmm. for decades, and they're just they're just giving them all different adaptations, right? Yep. So it's like, it's not, yeah, whatever, yeah. Uh, you know. Well, and I, they also, we don't even need to yeah, get into whole, that. It's yeah, it's, it's just a stupid thing. But I think, you know, going next in history to another, like, huge piece of political yeah. undertones in, in comic book is Captain America. Yeah. So you yep. have that iconic image, which is then sort of used and replayed in the 2011 Captain America uh, movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, of Captain America punching Adolf Hitler on the jaw. Like, yeah, well, I mean, like, created, again, in, in World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, as political propaganda. As, as explicit propaganda, yeah, pro-American propaganda. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think what's what's interesting to me is how we still see that played out in that character, like today in the live action series where he's played mm-hmm. by uh, Chris, Chris Evans, Evans, right? Yeah. Um, is, is he's always, he's always the, like the perfect one. He's always the leader. Mm-hmm. He's always the one who wants to do the right thing. He's going to do the good thing. And he's really conflicted. And when he can't do the perfect thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and he might be gritty and he might get tough and he might get his hands dirty, but he's pure of heart. Just mm-hmm. like the, how we want to see the U.S. We, you know, we have to get our hands dirty sometimes, but we're really good on the inside and we really mm-hmm. care about everybody. Right. Like it's, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And he yeah. is the, the, essentially the perfect soldier. Yes. Know? Yes. And kind of similar to Superman in that he is the every man who has, is gifted with powers. And so how does yeah. he use that power? Well, he uses it to help America spread its values across the world and sock old Adolf on the jaw, you know, like this is gotta, super yeah. propaganda. And I think there's, you know, there's layers of good, bad and ugly and all of that. Sure. Um, but it's interesting to think about the origin of that character coming shortly after Superman as, yeah, explicit political propaganda. Like, these characters and these archetypes have always been used for that. And Mm -hmm. so I think, uh, and I bring up all of that context of, like, going back to, you know, 80 years ago, Hmm. um, mostly to, like, place the conversation of, and answering the question, okay, are these comic book movies that are coming out that are ruling the box office, are they dumb? Are they deep? Are they somewhere in the middle? You know, are they providing us a helpful lens to look at our society and critique yeah, our world or are yeah. they just kind of giving us mindless entertainment to pass us on to the next one like yep. and and you know what but really all of that is situated within a greater context of these stories playing out over decades yeah and like actually having 
major voices in things like World War II and, and shifting the political and the historical discourse. Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah. Patrick, as both of us being, you know, uh, fans of many different comic book-related superhero movies, yeah, yeah. I thought it would be interesting to go through and kind of compare what are some movies that we think are... Uh, so there's a great um, YouTube channel called... Um, Wisecrack, and they do philosophical <laughs> analysis of pop culture. That's great. And so they have a series called Deep or Dumb. So I'm yeah. totally co-opting their word, but deep or dumb? Are superhero movies deep or dumb? Deep we, or dumb? Okay. Can yeah. we put yeah. up? Can we put forth movies? So, well, you know, one of us will put a movie on the table. Sure. And then we can argue or talk about whether we think it's deep or dumb and okay. why. Yeah. And and go from there. So why don't you go ahead, Patrick? Hit us with your first deep or dumb superman. Oh yeah, first deep or dumb. You're giving me the option there. Yes. Um, or maybe both. You know. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah, both. Let's... I consider myself both. You're both deep and dumb at Rachel. the same time. So <laughs> um, well, let's. Um, oh man, where do I want to start? I should have planned this ahead of time. You know, that would have been that would it's have been good. smart. It's yeah. Well, let's let's start with one that I like. I'm. I'm pretty undecided about, um, and that's and that's DC's Wonder Woman. Uh. Um, again, like a character that is not new, um, has has been around for decades, like a well-established character in the DC universe. Yeah, um, and it was a really big deal when this movie came out um, a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Gal Gadot starring as as the titular character, mm-hmm. um, and. Uh, for all the hype, right, and and you can have there were some there were some very striking scenes, some very memorable scenes. It's set mm-hmm. in World War One, so there's a scene where like uh, uh, Wonder Woman breaks through no man's land across the trenches and mm-hmm. helps them to victory. Like like there are very cinema like cinematograph cinema, cinematic cin- <laughs> <laughs> cinematographic cinematographic. Uh, there are very cinematic scenes. There there's yeah. a, there's a striking you know. Uh, uh, soundtrack but at at its core i really don't think it's a smart movie i really don't think it's very deep i think it leans Mm -hmm. very heavily into um girl power at the cost of any sort of character development and any sort of critique of um uh the way that the system works like the global system beyond just war is bad and countries like war Right, which is kind of what it ends on, right? Like the villain is the god of war. Um, spoiler alert: uh, it's not a new movie anymore. Um, yeah. So that I don't know, like so, but 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 it, it got a lot of praise um, mm-hmm. when it came out. So I I don't know. What what are your thoughts? On I Wonder actually Woman? disagree with oh, you. Oh, there this it is. might be the only one we disagree on, but I'm glad we can start off. Yeah. So I think well, I don't fully. I disagree with you. I think overall I would lean in the deep direction. For okay. Me yeah. Because, and I think you'll agree with this, so I'm not like setting myself in opposition. To oh, it, sure. But, yeah. um, at the, in the context of when Wonder Woman came out, I believe it was 2017. Yeah. There was a, like it was known in Hollywood and known in entertainment that you could not release and have it be successful, a female-led comic book movie, period. Mm, yeah. And I think, I mentioned the MCU's latest phase has been way more diverse, gender diverse, um, you know, had more LGBTQ representation, had more representation from other places in the United States. Yeah. And I think a lot of the reason that that's a possibility and that those things are doing commercially well and the audiences are going to see them and that studios are willing to invest time and money and energy into them is because Wonder Woman paved the way. Because the the example mm. you could have before Wonder Woman would be Pitoff's Catwoman with Halle Berry, <laughs> which is oh, inarguably boy. one of the worst movies ever created. Yeah, and, very over-sexualized. Like, yeah, and it's just yeah. a terrible, terrible yeah. movie. And so I think Wonder Woman creating a movie that fits the comic book bill, yeah. but that was commercially successful and that... Um, you know, told an interesting story that was connected with real world history Hmm. to me, I think like was actually pretty powerful. And I think paved the way for way more representation to be able to happen. Sure. Also, I will a step further for me. One of the reasons I like that movie, I think there, you know, there are, it's not a perfect movie, but I also really like the way that, um, the male and female relationship between Chris Pine and Gal Gadot's characters plays out. Yeah. In that, um, I feel like a lot of times in media, either you have the the trope of the woman who is 
like killed so that the male superhero has an emotional tie mm-hmm. or she's sort of objectified so that, you know, the male gaze is kind of satisfied. Yeah. Or, I mean, you can, you know, there's all these kind of plug and plays of what parts women characters play, almost mm-hmm. always relegated as the helper or the love interest. Yep. And then as a reaction to that, you see people kind of saying, oh, that's bad, so let's go in a different direction. And it's like now the woman character just like craps on all of the men and beats every man in, in every fight and is just yeah. unbeatable. And then it's it's completely unrelatable. It's not realistic and it's not telling a real story about a real woman with real problems, right? And I think you could leverage that against some of the things that happen to mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. But the relationship between the love interest and in that you have Wonder Woman who is this super-powered god-like being. Yeah. And instead of like... Chris Pine's character is not made the butt of every joke, but he's actually a partner to her and he supports her. Hmm. And he, you know, I think he does a really good job of admiring her, like her power, but also being a a meaningful character in and of himself. Hmm. And so all that to say, I I liked the way that those things, those were new things to see on the screen in the comic book world. And so I think to me, I lean in the deep direction. No, I, I will, uh, I will give that to you. Yeah. I, I, I find all of that. Yeah, I would agree. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, I also like the connection with yeah. uh, Greek mythology, Ares, the god of war. The idea that the god of war is like feasting on the conflicts of human. Yeah. And that World War One is this place where for great evil to converge, not just because you have... Sure. You know... I do, yeah. like, I will push back. I mean, I, th- I, th- I do think it was a little bit of a cop-out to be like, oh... Uh, the big bad villain. I, w- I was kind of, I think I was just, I, I had a, I had high expectations of it just being like, no, the villain is just straight up the governments of these countries that are encouraging war. Yeah. Right, where it's yeah. like, no, no, no. It is just the Germans and the British and the Americans and the, like, yeah. no, those are the actual bad guys. And uh, you need to realize that like humans do horrible things to each other. But, yeah. but, but it ended up being like, oh no, this, 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 lowercase God is manipulating you yeah. in order to profit off of it. Right. And then, and you, like, and then you have to have a big CGI with, battle yeah. at the end. Right. So it's like, That's I mean, there, there are a lot of superhero tropes within it still. Right. Yeah. But I definitely, I see what you mean about, about being very, very groundbreaking for its time. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Okay. So cool. that was, All right, you that wanna, was a dumb. You've got to do one now. Yeah. I'm going to go with, um, a deep movie All right. that I think is like, you know, an easy answer, but I think it has other levels to it that are worth mentioning Mm -hmm. and that would be um 2009's the dark knight there it is there it is i was wondering when you bring that up obviously (laughs) so this was actually the first i'm pretty sure i'm correct here the first comic book movie superhero movie Mm -hmm. to ever receive an oscar nomination and that heath ledger was really after his death yeah okay and now you have like this year you have um you know, more of that happening. Like, yeah, have, quite a um, few. The Angela Bassett being nominated for Best Supporting Actress, which is mm-hmm. a historic Black nomination Panther too. for Black yeah. Panther 2. So all that to say, another uh, YouTube reference, there's a great channel called The Take, and they do, like, deep analysis of films. Mm-hmm. And they have a – it came out several years ago, but they have a, a fascinating video essay that caused me to rethink about this movie in a different way. Obviously, I love the movie. I'm a Batman fan. Yeah. It was a product of its time. It's interesting. You know, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's not a perfect movie, but I, you know, it, it's a, it, it was one of those movies where both from a commercial standpoint, from a critical standpoint, mm-hmm. and from a like cultural, um, cultural commentary standpoint, pe- the comic book superhero genre was elevated. Like the bar 100%, was raised. 100%, and it has, yeah. it has yeah. been since then. Yeah. Every movie, comic book movie that has come out since The Dark Knight, in some way, owes its success and its relevance to The Dark Knight, and it also um, is held to a standard because of The Dark Knight. Yeah. Like, story, comic book storytelling, is it's not good enough to just be kind of a paint-by-the-numbers thing anymore. Like, mm-hmm. The Dark Knight elevated this genre to yeah. be something else. Yeah. And um, the ones that are paint-by-the-numbers, some of them only survive because they have... Uh, a Marvel logo attached to them, yeah. but we can yeah. <laughs> talk about but, that later. So I mentioned, that, yeah, the YouTube channel The Take does a great essay, and they just sort of create a new argument, and they say that The Dark Knight is one of the only um, post-9-11 noir movies. So the genre of oh, noir was kind of yeah. created. Interesting. It was kind of created, um, you know, it's kind of a product of World War II, and mm-hmm. it's like the some of the aftermath of World War II, and it's re- really this, you have a dark uh, anti-hero protagonist, and you have, you know, the femme fatale kind of archetype that are in sure, these movies. Sure. 
And it's kind of, it is a, instead of having a shining Superman-like hero, Mm -hmm. you have this kind of, um, yeah, a dark anti-hero who has a lot of moral greatness to them. And it also is kind of a commentary on the declining of society as a whole. This is what yeah. noir, you yeah. know, noir in general, if you haven't heard that term, aren't familiar with mm-hmm. it. So that is a genre that happened a lot in like the 40s and 50s and 60s. Um, and you see influences of it happen later. But the Dark Knight, um, according to this you know, video essay that I really enjoy, and I, I agree, it is sort of a... Um, it's what would a noir movie look like reflecting on uh, post 9-11, things like the Patriot Act and surveillance mm. and terrorism being this new fear that everyone is kind of, you know, gra- uh, wrestling with, wrestling yeah. with yeah. And, and putting their minds around. And so you have this like this extreme anarchist in the Joker and the Joker has been this character for, you know, 75 plus years of this, you know, crown prince crap. Clown Prince of Crime, uh, but Heath Ledger <laughs> takes that puts, easy to say. Yeah, yeah, he does a whole new take on him as you know this kind of really terrifying and demented, mm-hmm. sadistic, mm-hmm. anarchist kind of. He just wants to see the world burn. Yeah, a quote from the movie. Yeah. And so I think he is meant to, in some ways, embody the fears of America post 9-11 and then Batman as this dark antihero. You have like people are trying to fight the Joker through the law. And then you have Batman who is fighting the Joker outside of the law. Sure. And it's this deep conversation of which side wins. And can the law fully maintain its moral purity while fighting against that which is morally Well, and you you have a character in this as well who represents uh, the idea of justice, right? And Mm -hmm. and bringing people to quote-unquote justice, right? You have Harvey Dent as Mm -hmm. well, which I think think is maybe the most fascinating character in this movie to me. I I just rewatched it recently. Absolutely. Um, to see like how uh, how that can become corrupted um, with with things like personal loss, mm-hmm. uh, with things like uh, you know jealousy, uh, uh, or just or just being consumed by trying to accomplish your goal that you'll do it by any means necessary, right? Mm-hmm. So like I I could I mean that I've not seen a, another superhero movie like really critique. Uh, the entire system of like justice, the mm-hmm. way that this one does it, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it's. And then there's a whole other impactful. subplot about with Morgan Freeman's character about mm-hmm. the surveillance state, and yeah. like, yeah, which you know, post nine eleven, the American government did a lot of things that were beforehand not uh, like not legal. And a lot of new laws were passed by the Bush administration to allow the American people to be surveilled in a new way and like privacy to be put uh, as a a sort of bargaining item, people's privacy, both in other countries and here in the United States. Mm. And so there's a whole subplot of Batman, you know, wanting to use a new technology to... uh, to basically break some moral gray area to to spy on people using their cell phones to find the Joker at any cost. And yep. Morgan Freeman's character is not okay with this. And he resigns even in this movie. He says, I'm not okay with this. I'm going to help you here. And then I'm done. Like he's leaving yep. his super well-paying job because morally to him, even though they're trying to find this terrible, demented guy who's killing people, it's not worth that nope. cost. And yeah. so like that to me is a reflection on post 9-11 uh, America. And that's why, to me, The Dark Knight is like the standard yeah. for like deep. Uh, there's a lot you can. It's political, get deeply into. political, very political, right? yeah. very political yeah. as a movie. And there I, you go. know, even the quote: "You either die a hero, live long, long enough to see yourself become the villain." Yeah, I think could be applied to the United States government if you want in this context, right? It's <laughs> it like, applied to a lot, but yeah, definitely. I, I think that's yeah, maybe maybe a critique that Christopher Nolan is trying to yeah. leverage. While not, at no point is the Dark Knight preaching to you. Like, it's telling a contained story, but then from mm. that story, you can get sort of interesting things that reflect us and our fears today is kind of the point. Yeah, so, yeah, interesting. That's Thank one. You. That's yeah. a great one. That's helpful. What's another That's one? Good. Well, I you're on a roll. Do you want to do a okay, dumb one? Because sure. then I could do a yeah, deep yeah, yeah. one after. Yeah. Okay, so a dumb one. Um, and I will qualify this because I think most of the things I said about Wonder Woman also apply to this film in that... Uh, yeah, it broke new ground, and there, I actually enjoyed a lot of parts of it. And that would mm-hmm. be Captain Marvel, right? Oh, so, yeah. Captain okay. Marvel, it grossed over a billion dollars, which there's Did not... It really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. There's not that. a lot of films. But once Man, again... We spent way too much money on superhero movies. Absolutely. Oh, my God. But once right. again, it proved, <laughs> it broke ground, and it proved that, you know, 
you don't have to have a white dude as a superhero for a yeah. movie to make money or, a dude. or to be successful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You don't have to have that. And mm-hmm. Captain Marvel sort of like changed that narrative and helped yeah. change that narrative. And for that, I think it's really cool. And there's, there's some interesting parts to it. However, there is something that I think it's important to know about the MCU, all the Marvel yep. movies as a whole. Yep. And Captain Marvel is a kind of pinpoint for this. And the question of why are so many of these superheroes like literal soldiers? Yeah, <laughs> like, why? Wait, what's why going on here? Why, why are they all wearing uniforms? What's so fun fact, Disney and Marvel actually receive money from the United States military to portray the military in a positive light in their films, knowing that it helps the military and their recruitment efforts towards yep. the young minds in America. Yep. That is a fact. You can mm-hmm. look it up. Um, so with that being known, mm-hmm. um, Captain Marvel is one of those movies that to me has some cool parts, has some interesting parts, um, and, you know, broke ground as, as it's in and of itself with how much it made and the story told, but it sort of breaks some of that fourth wall and that it becomes very obvious that with the promotional material, the marketing and the movie itself, that this is... Military propaganda at its finest. Oh, one hundred percent. Right. Yeah. And that you know this character is an Air Force pilot, and you know all of their a lot of their allies and the things they're learning are you know the military and the military is portrayed in a positive light. And that's 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 not just happenstance. That is a profit motive that the United States government is dumping into it, knowing that these yep. are the stories that are shaping young minds. Like it just is what it is. Um, and I'm not you know. Uh, this is not at all a statement um, meant to bash anyone serving the military or speak ill of veterans. That's not at all. Um, but more just a, a general awareness that, you know, there is a political agenda, whether it's Christopher Nolan talking about, you know, the surveillance state post 9-11. <laughs> there's also a political agenda in something like Captain Marvel that's sort yeah. of wanting kids to be able to think, wow, being in the military is really cool. It's really cool. That's a viable we career. That's a great pilot. Like, yeah. It's and it's yeah. fun and it's cool and it's colorful. Like yeah. that is a real thing. And there, well, and it's it's hard for someone for well, not someone. <laughs> it's hard for an uh, an organization like like Disney, like Marvel, to turn down the offer, right? To like, hey, you get to work on U.S. military bases. You get to make it look real. You get mm-hmm. to film with uh, service members as extras. Uh, mm-hmm. You get to use military hardware in your shots. Yeah. Right. Like so. You, so it feels that much more realistic. We've we've been you know told our entire lives like this is like the best of the best. This is the coolest you can get. This is the most mm-hmm. advanced weaponry. This is like yada 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 yada. Mm-hmm. So oh, you get to put that in your movie. We'll also give you a bunch of money. Um, and now you just get to be nice to us, right? Like I mean, it's yeah. yeah so but it it kind of just make sure not to spoils, critique us in any of your spoils movies. the whole thing for me. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, and I think I would add to that. Um, that's just kind of a general. Like I'm, I don't, I'm not really. I don't need to pick apart the plot of Captain Marvel necessarily. Yeah. I saw it in theaters and I enjoyed it. I, I don't even remember all of the plot points exactly. Um, but another example of this to me that was even more in your face. Yeah. Was the Disney Plus show um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, <laughs> which is like a follow up to Captain America. Yeah. So I actually enjoyed the show. I enjoyed parts of it. I think it's yeah. one of the shows that got better. At the more episodes that came out. Mm -hmm. And I think it actually did have a lot of interesting political discourse and um, subtle but pointed political conversation, especially related to race. And if a black man is taking on the mantle of Captain America, what does that mean for America? Yeah. Like that stuff was really interesting. Acknowledging that this uh, character, that this this figure is a a representation of American exceptionalism, right? So like how, how do we do that with, uh, our flawed history with race, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, how can you yeah. put a black person in that position when American exceptionalism is the very thing that has oppressed black people for yeah. 400 years? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. and I, Marvel and Disney do not go full into that, but... But it's there. There's some interesting conversation. And yeah. yeah, there's a character who is a veteran, a World yeah. War II veteran who's a black man, and he actually really disagrees with uh, Falcon and, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. like... And that's a really interesting, fascinating conversation. However, yeah. the first episode of this show is literally like a military. It's like those commercials, those those yep. army commercials that make it look like Call of Duty, like a video <laughs> yeah. game. That's what the whole first episode uh-huh. is. You've got this like fun sidekick piloting a drone, and they're doing aerial shots. And yeah. It's like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, the veneer sort of slid in the, the first episode yeah. or two of the show, and it was like just... 
I don't, and I don't know where that creative decision came from, but it's just like, we're going to overtly mm-hmm. advertise the United States military in this show. And that's what yep. we're promoting here, period. Yep. And they get in, you know, you, the more you watch it, the more you get into some of the interesting political stuff, but that, oh man, it was like very strong, very yeah. strong. So that's well, and it, Yeah. And that didn't go again. away at any point. Like even, a, even as it got more interesting, even as it got a little more like engaging, it, yeah. it was still there. Right. Yeah. And that was, yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's a good one. That's a good dumb one. It's not a movie though. So you're, uh, you're knocked true. out there. You're limiting. <laughs> that's true. Um, well, let's, uh, let's, let's talk for a second about Black Panther. Yeah. Um, because I think, um, deep or dumb. I, I think it's deep. Yeah, and, I agree. And I hesitate. I if, if you know me in real life, um, this is not knowing. <laughs> um, then you know like right. how, how I feel about most superhero movies. Um, but I, I really do think Black Panther um, deserved the acclaim that it got. Mm-hmm. Um, not just because... Certainly, because of the like the 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 diversity that it brought to this world, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the superhero world, um, and the way that it uh, uh, portrayed uh, uh, African characters mm-hmm. as um, as uh, intelligent, mm-hmm. as as real people, as complex characters, mm-hmm. as people worthy of being protagonists in a blockbuster mm-hmm. movie, right? So that was certainly groundbreaking. But also, um, I think the way in which they deal with uh, uh, the legacy of slavery and the slave trade. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he has a cousin who grew up in in the U.S. Right, the the main T'Challa, the main character. Yeah. Who, who you know, he he grows up the crown prince of the wealthiest kingdom in the world, untouched um, by slavery, un, and untouched by colonialism yeah. that is that has been allowed to flourish to this incredible technological advancement. And then his cousin grows up, uh, in Compton. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and his, his dad is killed in like, I think in front of him at some point. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, and, and has a very different perception of what it means to be a black man than his cousin. Mm-hmm. Right. And they, they, they don't just kind of like address that on the side. They don't like ignore it, which I think would be the, the easy way out, but they lean into that. Mm-hmm. Right. And they like, they're like, all right, we, we have this character nominally. He's the antagonist, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, like he's going to make you think like really hard about the way that we perceive race in this country. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and at like at the end of the movie, you're like, he wasn't wrong. Like he wasn't so many of the things he said wasn't wrong, like weren't mm-hmm. wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and and I think that that um, that's really valuable, right? Mm-hmm. And then you add on top of that, like just the incredible like design of this of this country, um, the costuming, the the character work, the the way that they like developed this language and the music and the tradition, like like that was wonderful. And as a person who's like lived uh, a significant amount of their life in Africa, in mm-hmm. East Africa, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly can't be an expert on this incredible huge continent. But um, to see like bits and pieces of that represented even in a fictional world, but in a way that was seen by millions and millions of people was like, that's really validating. Um, and if it's validating for me, then how incredible must that be for everybody else mm. who, who, uh, who that's an even deeper part of their identity. Right. Um, and, and I thought the story was compelling as well. Right. So I, I, I really do think, um, yeah, probably top of the list for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, yeah, there's a lot of interesting political uh, backdrop to that. And I yeah. think even even just the fact that, like you already mentioned, that Wakanda as a nation in that movie is sort of the story of Africa apart from colonialism. As it could have been, would that right? Like? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And, and sort of then placing that in the modern age yeah. with modern problems and this nation emerges on the scene. Like, And I think the second movie actually does a decent job of following up that conversation Yeah, I mean, I, well. I, I think they... It's not it's not as deep. I think the no. questions they're dealing with aren't quite as... as I think like ingrained into the scars of our, of our country. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I, I'm, we, let's not spoil anything for this one cause it's new, but yeah. um yeah. yeah, I, I, they, they do still talk about, you know, the effects of colonialism in mm-hmm. a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and kind of the pain that lingers through generations for that. Yeah. Um, well, so and yeah, I, I and, think too, like, um, I think I talked about this in a, yeah. when we talked about prey a couple episodes ago, but mm-hmm. uh, the thing about black Panther is like, 
objectively, it's one of the best MCU movies, right? Yeah. It's not good because it tells a story about Africa. No. Because it has a wonderful cast of nope. black men and women, both American and African, you know, who represent these these great characters. Mm-hmm. It's not that just because it does representation in a, in a new and, and well-done way that that equals it's good. No, it's a good story. Yeah. Like, it's a compelling story with compelling characters. And I think... Black Panther has the MCU. I think does one of its big weaknesses is its villains. Like the, hmm, they, there's so yeah. much focus on the protagonists and getting those characters right yeah. that the villains are not treated as well. This well, movie, they're often one-offs, right? Like yeah. there's very few exceptions yeah. where they're not just they're in one movie, they're defeated, and then we don't think about them again, right? Exactly. Except for Thanos, mm-hmm. um, there's really not Loki, any yeah. or Loki, right? Who's yeah. who's sort of a. Uh, anti-hero at this point Mm -hmm. but but yeah um this movie has one of the best villains yeah and i think some of the best developed side characters like Hmm. you know so many like i said so many movies focus on the protagonist that the side characters are sometimes an afterthought but this one like all of the characters whether it's t'challa's sister whether it's um um you know the door uh, whether it's mbaku like all these characters feel very real they feel like they have their own unique motivations. They mm-hmm. have their own unique arcs. And like, I'm just amazed by what Ryan Coogler, the director, was able to do with a with a story like this. Like Black yeah. Panther really stands out yeah. in that it's just like so layered and that it has this interesting political message about that's about refugees, that's about immigration, that's yeah. about colonialism, that's about racism, that's about yeah. globalism. Like all of that is a conversation that the movie has with itself, and it doesn't yeah. necessarily give you neat answers on it, but it like asks good questions. Sure, it doesn't, and I and I've seen that as as a bit of a critique before, where it's like, well, they 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 tee up these questions for you, but then they don't like they don't tell you the way that you should like respond to it. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, that's not that's not always the job of film. It's not always the job of art to tell you how you should respond, but it's to remind you that we need to respond, right? Mm-hmm. And and I think they did that a very good job. And and for those of you who are traditional movie fans and you're concerned uh, that, that this maybe doesn't end in a big CG battle that doesn't look as good as the rest of the movie, it I does. have good news for you because it does. It does. Oh, man. Uh, but I'll, I, and, and I, I don't know what you can say about Chadwick Boseman at this point, um, but... Um, I think one of one of the best actors to have ever been involved in a Marvel movie, um, mm-hmm. and and it's it's I think a great loss that he wasn't able to continue that character further. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a loss for our our you know filmmaking industry that that he died so young. But yeah. but um, this one in particular, I think as well. So, yeah, yeah. There's Black Panther. Great. Black Panther two sort of uh, jury's still yeah. out, but it was it wasn't bad. Yeah. yeah. I enjoyed there it. There you go. All right. What have you got? What have you got? Um, I think just a couple more here. Yeah, a couple more. Staying in the MCU, um, one that I think is also one of these big moments in comic book movies that sort of shifted yeah. uh, the future of comic book movies, and that is the second Captain America movie. So Captain America Winter Soldier. Oh, good. I'm glad you brought this one up. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, that came out in 2014. April 4th, 2014. I remember. I went oh, and saw God. it. <laughs> and, um, Such a nerd. <laughs> I am. Whereas the first movie presented this sort of, you know, uh, super soldier who fought in World War II and, you know... Was, Sacrificed everything and gave yeah. up even his own life and, yeah. Yeah, like, it, it, it was a... And then, you know, there's kind of these For Nazis, his country. More, yeah. Even more evil Nazis he had to fight against. It was a mm-hmm. little more black and white. Yeah. So with a sequel, how do you then, you know, follow up with this character in the modern day after Avengers, which is like one of the highest grossing movies of all time? Mm-hmm. How do you take this character's story forward is like this question. Yeah. So they get two guys who literally had done a few episodes of sitcoms to do this massive <laughs> it, and it was meant to be a 70s throwback political spy thriller starring Captain America. Interesting. And it's just like the odds of that turning out good <laughs> yeah. were so low. And somehow they captured Magic in a Bottle so well that not only did those directors then go on to direct the next Captain America movie. Oh, the Russo brothers. But then yeah, they were given okay. Infinity War and Endgame, which are two, the two of the highest grossing yep. movies in history yep. and the two biggest movies in the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. They did so well with this one Captain America sequel yeah. that... You know, they were handed the keys to the kingdom, essentially. That's crazy. Um, and then they created two of the, yeah, two of the most popular, successful movies in cinema history. Yeah. So that's why I say this is a pretty big moment. But mm-hmm. talking about the movie specifically, 
Um, you know, within the Marvel Universe, you have this agency of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's this government agency that, sure. you know, sort of is meant to help uh, help war. And it's kind of this military-like agency that helps the superheroes like and a, helps... Sort of like a fancy spy agency, but also counterterrorism, yeah. but also yeah. superhero... Yeah, whatever. And so it does it, whatever it's you the need gover- the government to yeah. be without calling out a specific branch. Yeah. Yep. And so you have Samuel L. Jackson as the head of this agency, and, you know, it's kind of like established. At the end of the first Iron Man movie, he shows up and says, Iron Man, he's going to form the Avengers... And that's how it all starts. Yep. So this is like a bedrock of the Marvel universe is you have this agency shield yeah. and they're, you know, unquestionably good. They help the good guys and they're this military. Because they're the U.S. government. Yeah, absolutely. Right? That's what makes them unquestionably good. That's yep. kind of the, the implication there, right? Yeah. yeah. And then in Winter Soldier, you have Captain America uncovering this big mystery and the big twist in the movie, which... I don't necessarily love how they followed up with this twist with future movies, but in this no. movie particularly, the big twist is that the Nazis that Captain America was fighting against in World War II have actually been secretly running S.H.I.E.L.D. They the whole time. They never went away! Yeah. And the fact that he discovers this, and it so shatters his faith in his government and in his country yeah. that he becomes a fugitive on the run, and then he uncovers his former sidekick and military partner has been kept alive and is this assassin and mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and all that to say they really frame this movie not as a comic book fun action movie but it's a re- truly a political spy thriller it is no 100% it is right yeah they're uncovering a conspiracy against the US government mm-hmm. right well not against but like within the government within yeah, yeah. and yeah. you know it's, and for captain america as a character i think this movie also like um you know, it sort of sets, sends him on his journey that um, Mm -hmm. through the next few movies, he will operate, his position towards the government and towards government regulation and all that is very different after this movie. And I love that they take the soldier boy, good military guy, and they take him on a journey where the question of, similar to the questions of the Dark Knight, like of the surveillance state, of militarism, are these things unquestionably good? Now, obviously, there's a comic book spin to it, and since these movies are funded by the military, they don't go full into that. And I, I, no, you know, no, obviously, no. as a well, which is why you know they have this they have this fake agency that's the problem, right? They don't yeah, have they don't have the FBI or the U.S. Go- the it's not actual the CIA army, yeah, exactly. Full of Nazis, it's yeah, Shield. Yeah, but, although I mean, yeah. it it points to like there there have been historical moments where like the U.S. Uh, actually worked with actual Nazis. I mean, like, there's... Yeah. You could look at Operation Paperclip, the way we stole Nazis from Germany at the end of the war mm-hmm. um, and recruited them for our, our space race program, right? Yeah. Uh, or and, and our white nuclear supremacists program. and KKK or members within the government, every force, right? every yeah, exactly. level of law Yeah, you don't have to look specifically yeah. to Germany for that. Um, so, so, you know, loosely tied to real life in the sense mm-hmm. that, like, oh, no, there, there were, you know, racist and fascist elements within the U.S. government for a long time. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Intri- and I think as well, like, um, what am I, what am I trying to say? The, the, um, if, if, if you see Captain America as sort of like the incarnation of like America, mm-hmm. right. This kind of touches into, and I'm like, not that I like approve of this cultural like feeling, but like mm-hmm. it's here that like the the U.S. government can be bad, right? Mm-hmm. So like there's that com- there's there's a common held thing, and it's like whether it's from like having to pay taxes and mm-hmm. you know or the person I don't like winning an election, but like mm-hmm. we like to blame the government for things, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you like make a movie that kind of encapsulates that in a way that's also nuanced? but also supports the military. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this this one does that, right? Yeah. It shows yeah. like, oh, no, like the 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 very virtue of something being from the government or being from the this country does not make it, you know, a lawful good thing. Mm-hmm. Um and I yeah, I, I I definitely think like it it touches on that more than a lot of other Marvel films do. Yeah, yeah and I think yeah. um as a as a follow-up the, the movie that follows that is Civil War, so you have you know, Iron Man mm-hmm. takes half of the Avengers and Captain America takes half the Avengers. Sure. And the conflict yeah. of that movie is over the government forcing superheroes to register um, and be held in check by the government. Yep. And I, one of the things, one of my favorite things about the MCU as a whole, with my many critiques of it, the good, the bad, and the ugly of it, one mm-hmm. of the things I think that I really, really like is you have Iron Man in 2008 and then Captain America in 2009. These two core characters that are the foundation of the entire Marvel cinematic, all of that, right? And in, in the Iron Man movie, you have this kind of this tech 
entrepreneur who yeah. refuses to be um, he refuses to be edited or controlled by the government, and he, he creates these yeah. weapons, and these weapons end up doing a lot of harm. Mm-hmm. And his journey is actually seeing that his brazen attitude. Mm. Re- he, that he requires accountability and that yeah. his genius can be used for evil and that that evil has consequences. And so his journey from his, the first movie to the movie of civil war mm-hmm. is that he actually needs to put, he needs to be put in check and he needs to have yeah. accountability. Captain America's journey. On the other hand, he starts out as the boy scout military man mm-hmm. who then experiences betrayal from his own government and then is, uh, remains loyal to his friends and his, uh, the people in his life. But, does not trust the government. Mm. And so you have two characters who start in one place and they end up and in opposite places and then they the end up direction. fighting each other from those opposite directions. Yeah, it's interesting. And that's what, and that's where I think as a political journey, like actually pretty interesting and actually yeah. pretty well done. No, compared 100%. To a lot of things. Yeah. So, you know, giving the MCU its flowers where it deserves it and critiquing it where it deserves it. Mm-hmm. I think Winter Soldier as a, as a focal point, but then even Civil War following that up is one of those things that I would say is um is deep is more deep yeah. than I think a lot of people give it good. credit for. Yeah. Um do you want to do you want to uh add one more or Yeah, no, we can I add? think we could do one more. Um well, I not not a specific movie, but I think um if we're going to talk about superhero movies and and political social commentary, yep. you have to bring up the X-Men series. Yes. Um and and they've kind of fallen off the track in recent years. Um, they're coming I'm, back though. I'm I'm they're hearing rumors back. they're coming back um from a co-host of mine. Um, <laughs> but uh I like uh from the very beginning, right? We we've we've talked a couple times on this episode about how like superheroes have always been political. They've always mm-hmm. been a representation of the way we perceive ourselves or others or the way we want to. Mm-hmm. Um X-Men has always been that, right? Mm-hmm. It's about um you know, so the, not not so much superheroes as they are mutants. They're everyday mm-hmm. people who suddenly realize they have these powers, and it could be anybody. And they're mm-hmm. treated differently, and they're discriminated against, and they have to hide who they are. They have to hide their real identity. And mm-hmm. there's differing opinions within that group of mutants of how they respond. Mm-hmm. You know, are they are they antagonistic in return to the people who are doing this, as as they maybe like have a justified right to be, mm-hmm. or are they? Um, are they uh, an indicator of being the better person, right? Of rising above that, of 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 you know becoming better than the the people who oppose them, who, who discriminate against them, right? And that's that's one of the key you know points of tension in in this series, right? You have you and that's that's embodied, and you have uh, uh, Professor Xavier, Professor X, mm-hmm. um, often portrayed by Ian McKellen, um, and then you have uh, Patrick, um, Patrick, oh, Patrick Stewart, Stewart. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. the other Patrick Stewart, and then Ian McKellen is is on the other side, right? He's Magneto. Um, both of whom uh, are very similar individuals who have come to very different conclusions on what to do with, uh, uh, you know, the hatred uh, from society, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And and you don't have to look far to see that, you know, encapsulated in in this world too, right? So I I think that's fascinating, right? Um, There there have been a lot of um, illusion, and I don't know if this was ever explicit, um, in the creation of the X Men, but but it the was. the connection to the LGBT community, yep, um, what is, is something that's pretty easy to see right within mm-hmm. that. Um, and well, I, and I think too. So yeah. X Men, from my understanding, mm-hmm. when they were conceived as characters, is both. It's it's also a product of the civil rights movement, mm, and so yeah. so the difference yeah. of a superhero that is in a normal Marvel comic or movie, and then X, you know X Men is the the idea of a mutant means that this is someone who through a genetic mutation is born with a unique ability or power, right? Yep. And so it's not people that have these crazy origin stories and get superpowers. It's people that were born this and way. And it's not something they chose it's either, right? It's not an accident. It's not a, yeah. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, so the X-Men are definitely a, a distinct and explicit allegory yeah. about race and about the LGBTQ community yeah. and about uh, people who are different being outcast in society and the yeah. social like that's what that's the story x-men has always been sure and i think you don't all the most basically 
all of the movies we mentioned today, I don't know that we have them in their form, that we get them without that first X-Men movie in 2000. No, yeah. And now I will say, like, the movies themselves, many of them are quite shallow, right? Yeah, yeah. And many of them kind of, like, use that overall tension, that overall conflict like they don't really as, get into as just kind of a way to, like, prompt everything to start happening, and then they get into the actual plot, which is always something dumb or something mm-hmm. uh, unrelated. Um, yeah. So uh, many of them are not very good for a lot of different reasons, mm-hmm. but, but there's that overarching idea um, that that is present within all of them, right? And 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 you see a lot of really uh, uh, key characters come out of that, right? We talk about Magneto and Professor X, but you have, mm-hmm. you know, Wolverine, who's maybe one of the most recognizable superheroes, um, because he kind of embodies that um, uh, almost like a cowboy, almost like a western, right? Where yeah. he's he's not a good person and he hasn't done good things, but but he's learning he needs to do what's right, right? Mm-hmm. So so and that's that's always going to be something that's wanted and needed in our society is mm-hmm. representation of that. Yeah. Um, well, and you have I think another one of those iconic things that makes yeah. the superhero genre in movies what it is today is that first X Men movie. Mm-hmm. Instead of starting out with a kid being bit by a radioactive spider or, sure, sure. you know, uh, a World War II soldier getting injected with a crazy drug, yeah. you start out in a concentration camp in Auschwitz. Yep. And you see the origin story of Magneto. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's like this superhero story that has deep social commentary that starts in a true historical place of torture and genocide. And that, yeah. that's like the foundation for like who these people are in the world and how they operate is like pretty heavy and pretty deep and like yeah. swinging. And I think in that way elevated the comic book movie thing to a new level where now someone like Christopher Nolan can come along and do this really yeah. interesting post 9-11 noir stuff sure. because of X-Men. Well, and it's, and it's another kind of like, it's, it's a, it's, it's spitting in the face of, um, I think a lot of the like perceived fans of superhero movies who are offended and who are upset mm. when when suddenly out of nowhere their favorite series has more diverse representation. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's when it's saying, "Are you like, are you serious? Like this is this has always been about the people that you hate. It's always been about the people that have been oppressed. Uh, 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 I mean, countless minorities who who have had to like suffer because of who they were. Um, and and it's about like. Uh, they're not they're not lesser they're actually uh uh you know <laughs> equal people <laughs> mm-hmm. because of this right so and that's that's it's very clear in in this series that that's that's a point that they're hammering home yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's great so there we go there superheroes it is. yeah deep and dumb deep and dumb um at the same time do we have I'm trying to, is there any like just straight up dumb one don't look Lego Batman. It's a good movie. It's a deep movie. I'm not saying it's dumb. It's I, I like that. Deep. Yeah. It's super deep. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Lego Batman's the best one. It is <laughs> up there. It is up there. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll talk to All you right. Later. We'll talk to you later. Justice.